Hello and welcome to Falmouth Vineyard's audio podcast. We're really grateful that you're joining us today. Our vision is to see Cornwall coming alive through the hope and freedom that Jesus brings. To find out more about who we are or how to connect with us, visit falmouthvineyard.org. We'd love to hear from you. I can't remember Halloween falling on a Sunday before, but I'm guessing it must have roughly seven years ago. Um, it probably, it just feels so weird when you're coming into church and it's all like the bustle of pumpkins and Halloween and all that crony. It feels like this is the, like today represents the cosmic clash between light and dark squashed into just one day because it's a Sunday and it's all about light and it's about hope and it's about redemption and it's about the gospel and it's about truth. And it's Halloween, and it's like, well, that's just weird, isn't it? That's just weird. And if you've got kids, I just want to pray for you because it is hard. Like, who doesn't want to go trick-or-treating? You just get loaded with sweets and chocolate and all the things that kids love. You are in a war zone. You are fighting that innate desire within children for chocolate and sweets. And as a good Christian parent, You know that Halloween is bad and the occult is obviously bad and darkness and evil are bad and all things spooky are bad. But for children, sweets are good. (laughs) Dressing up is fun. Like, can you feel the tension today? You will have felt it if you've got kids in your house. Dad, why can't I go trick or treating? Is it that bad to hang out with my really good buddies, go around to some of their neighbors and get tons and tons of sweets. I just want to hang out with my friends, I want to dress up as Spider-Man or a Stormtrooper. What can be so bad with that? Now for me, and this is aside, not the preach, it stretches my theology of light and darkness. You realize that this light and the darkness are not equal forces opposite to each other. The light is so much more powerful. The light drives away the darkness. The light and the love have won. Jesus has the victory. This isn't a time for fear. So the question I always ask, or we've been trying to ask our family in this time and having limited success, is how can times like these be redeemed? How do you redeem something for the light? How do we celebrate light in the middle of the dark without being overwhelmed? What does it look like to bring hope and generosity to the trick-or-treaters? Or do we hide behind closed curtains and pretend we're not in like my family always used to do growing up? It's got a bit boring for the whole evening. Just like, turn the lights off, they'll think we're in. It's like, aren't you meant to be hiding? Is Is this right? Or do we go into like full angel dressing mode and go out and give out sweets that reflect the fullness and the extravagance of the God we serve? To clarify, I'm not going out dressed as an angel this evening. <laughs> Even though the angels in the Bible were men, and, and as you can see, I've probably got the legs for a costume like an angel, but, but it raises the question, doesn't it, of what does it look like for Halloween to be redeemed? Can it be redeemed? What does it look like to bring hope and light into this situation? I'd love to start by praying that you would find creativity to bless your neighbours and those that come to your house today. Let's start just by praying. Lord God, we, we thank, you, thank you for being here. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the light of the world. We thank you that you have the victory. Darkness has been overcome. And I just pray for family, your hope and your love this today 
of all days, and they would find a way of creatively communicating the gospel to anyone they come into contact with today. And we pray for the light parties that are going on throughout the country, that they would be beacons of hope and light for the communities, that they would overcome the darkness in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. That wasn't a side preach, that was an intro preach. There you go. So last time, and you can go back and check the YouTube video if you want to, we looked at the story of Peter and John healing the disabled man outside the temple gate. And we looked at their and hopefully our availability and awareness of those around us that are in need. And we looked at the authority that they had been given by Jesus to see breakthrough in those around us by praying blessing, healing in the name of Jesus. You can check that one back on the YouTube stream if you haven't heard it. So this morning I thought we could press further into this and look practically at how we can pray for those around us, not just in the church, but wherever we are, because church is where you are during the week, not this building. We carry the authority and the potential of God's kingdom in us through the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. His presence goes where you are if you're a follower of Jesus. And the key to a theology and practice of healing is a framework and theology of the kingdom of God. Put simply, the kingdom of God is wherever the will of God is done. It's not a time in a distant future. It's not a geographical space. It's the will of God being done. It's much bigger than healing, but it incorporates healing. It's, and God's will is restoration. God's will is salvation. God's will is justice. So the demonstration of his kingdom will look like caring for the poor, because that's God's will. Or it might look like fighting injustice, because that's God's will. Whether racial injustice, climate injustice, housing injustice, employment injustice, the will of God is against injustice. The way I think about it is to think about the character of God, to think about his loving, compassionate, forgiving, holy God will in our culture, in our society. What activity reflects this character of God? What activity demonstrates his character within our neighbourhood, within our community, within our flats, workplaces, schools, colleges, universities, within our households? What demonstrates the will and character of God? So if you've got a Bible or an app you can scroll to, grab it and go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, and then we're going to pick it up in verses 7 and 8. I was on holiday last week, so I haven't done funky slides to go behind me, so apologies, that's my bad. Um, just says this, Matthew 10, verse 1. Jesus called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Then into verse 7, he's talking to his disciples. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely, have, freely you have received, freely give. And last time we looked at this, Jesus gives authority to his followers. Proclaim the gospel. The good news of the kingdom of God is near. Don't just proclaim it, demonstrate it. Because of this proximity, this nearness, this at-handness of the kingdom of God, Heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons. Now, 
How's that for a Halloween sermon? We've got dead, we've got zombies, we've got demons. It's all like, it's all there. Jesus says, tell the people, what does that mean? Sorry, I will not touch my jumper, my top. Tell the people about my kingdom and then demonstrate it. And the signs of it will be miraculous. This isn't a one-off. This model sums up the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the apostles as you move through into the early church in the book of Acts. Let's pick it up. Acts chapter 8, verse 8, verse 4. Philip's ministry is summed up like this when he visited the area of Samaria. Acts 4, uh, sorry, Acts 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there, Jesus. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, evil, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, Paul says this. 1 Corinthians 2, yeah. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, to the church in Corinth, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And later, Paul says this in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Less talk, more power, Nathan, as you try and skip through the talk and get to the power. And even as I said this earlier, we are going to be talking about healing, it raised probably in your minds a question because we have a Western mindset. We are rational. We are reasoned thinkers. Well, that's what we like to believe. We live on cold heart facts. We live materialistically, meaning that we believe what we can see materially and touch materially. And you might not have an issue with serving the poor. It's a kind of demonstration of the kingdom that we don't struggle with. Uh, but you might especially struggle with the concept that someone's illness could leave purely by praying in the name of Jesus. You might special, especially struggle if you've prayed for someone and they've not been healed, or if you've never seen anyone healed full stop. Let's be honest. We all know friends and family members that have suffered from illness that we've prayed for, but they may have got more ill and maybe even have died. And in, in talking about healing, we have to wrestle with the pain and the grief and the loss of those that aren't healed. We hold that intention with the fact that God is powerful and wills that everyone is healed. And we hold that intention with the fact that the Bible says, go and do it. And we have to be obedient to what the word of God says. If you took out healing from the New Testament, there wouldn't be much left in the life of Jesus. And you may have been in that situation, maybe you're there now, and you may have days where you are just fed up with the fact that God hasn't healed. God didn't heal. It doesn't look like God will heal. And the next day you, you'll be confident and you'll trust God. And then the next day you'll just be frustrated. Why didn't that person get healed? Maybe you're experiencing that personally this morning, that pain of long-term illness. You've prayed repeatedly and not been healed. 
and it's okay to talk about it. It's not something we say, oh, well, let's not talk about that. Let's just focus on the glory. Someone got healed. Actually, we need to comfort, be compassionate for those that aren't healed as well. In talking about healing, you have to realize that not all are healed. Did you notice in the passage about Philip in Samaria that he said, it says, many were healed, not all were healed. And this is comforting. It's not a formula. If you say this, this will happen. If you believe enough of this, there will be healing. My dad died suddenly of pancreatic cancer in 2014. There was three weeks between the diagnosis and him dying. It was brutal and painful and horrific. I believe his will is to heal. Did he? No. But was God present in that pain? Is he still present in that pain? Absolutely. Do we know the comfort and the love of the Father, even in that frustration? Yes, absolutely. Does it still hurt? Yes, of course it still hurts. But do I base my theology and experience of healing on that? No. I base my theology of healing on what it says in the Bible, on the mystery of the kingdom of God, the now and the not yet, expecting God to break in, but knowing that it doesn't always happen. The liberating nature of the mystery of the kingdom of God is that it doesn't rely on us at all. It's not a spiritual ritual that you perform, and if you do it in the right way, it works. Healing is in the hands of a loving, sovereign God whose heart is to show his love and his mercy and his compassion and his justice. And sometimes that is through someone being physically healed, and sometimes it's not. If it, is it confusing? Yes. Is it heartbreaking? Sometimes. But if we hold on to the fact that God is faithful and he loves us, his character is good and loving and his will is for us to be healed, we can trust in his goodness and embrace that mystery. The first meeting we had in the life of this church was in the United Reformed Church or a Thursday night meeting we had, was in the United Reformed Church, just below Kimberley Park, and we invited people forward to be prayed for. A mum of one of the students that was there for that first meeting came forward, and I think Ruth prayed for her, and her knee was healed. And it was incredible that the church started with a story of healing. On Easter Sunday, down on the beach, for the early morning prayer session, Ruth got to pray for Brenda's knee, which now needs some more prayer. But at the time, the pain left and she was pain-free. In our hallway, a couple of months ago, Nicola came around to do music lessons for the kids. Edie, our five-year-old, prayed for Nicola's neck and the pain went. Isn't that incredible? Conclusion, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who it is. It's simply being available to be used by God. The gathered environment like this in the church is not where it's all going to happen. This is purely a training ground. It's where we learn to, take, to do the stuff and then take it out on the streets. So how do we do this thing? A useful book on the subject, if you wanted to buy something and read it, is a book called Power Healing by the late John Wimber, founder of The Vineyard. I'm always going to suggest a Wimber book, aren't I? And he just says this, this is a great quote in Power Healing. Divine healing is neither automatic nor dependent on our God, and the power of his spirit. Divine healing is a gift from God, an act of his mercy and grace. Our part is to listen to him and carry out his word.
If you want a formula, that is not the way it works. If you look at the way Jesus prays in the Gospels, you soon realise that it happens in so many different ways. He sticks his fingers in someone's ear, he makes some spit mud and shoves it in someone's eye. Sometimes he's present, sometimes he's far, sometimes at a word, sometimes lays a hand on. There's no, if you look through the Gospels and go, right, we just need to study how healing is done and then do that. It's like, whoa, get ready, because you're going to be spitting on the ground, getting those mud cakes ready and putting them in eyes. That might not go down very well but he gives his disciples some guidelines and these apply to more than just healing, but they are applicable for healing as well. So number one, if you take a notes, we partner with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Slight aside, healing ministry is for the glory of God for, from his glory for his glory. It's not about us looking amazing, it's about everything going back to God. God gives us the authority, but we partner with the Holy Spirit. There is a commission aspect. God invites us to play a role and gives us the authority in the name of Jesus and power through the Holy Spirit. So this means two things. We use our wisdom and discernment because we are invited to play a role. And we also ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this situation? We watch for him, we listen to his prompting, following and how we're going to operate. You might have a prophetic word for someone or an insight into their condition, maybe a Holy Spirit inspired sense for the direction of prayer. So the first thing, we partner with, this, with the Holy Spirit. Two, we pray for the person, not the condition. Wimby used to say, when I, feel, when I pray for a person's healing, my goal is to leave him or her feeling more loved by God than before we prayed. We have compassion, it's not a formula or a ritual or a routine. I remember an incredible preacher, unbelievable speaker, incredible gift of tongues and gift of um, healing. He used to start his meetings not by going for healing, he used to just say the gospel. He used to say, it doesn't matter if you're healed, you need to know that you're saved. It's not about whether you walk out the room being able, being healed. It's about walking out the room knowing Jesus deeper, knowing his love in your life. And he'd make a massive deal of Jesus and the beauty of the gospel. What good is healing if someone is spiritually dead? You might be prompted just to ask someone if they've heard about Jesus. Before we launch into Jesus, like, do you know the beauty of the cross? Do you know his redeeming power? Do you know this, that he died in your place? Do you know that's available to you? Do you know he loves you? He loves you so deeply. Whatever happens with the healing, whatever happens with the prayer, do you know that he just loves you abundantly, extravagantly? Number three, we listen. Ask Holy Spirit, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in this person in front of me? Before you pray, wait, invite the Holy Spirit. Don't rush, wait for God's voice and his prompting. We love the sound or can love the sound of our own voices. Sometimes we just need to press pause, wait on God and pray at his prompting. Say what you're doing. Like, I think we have a real thing of like, if I break the moment, break the atmosphere, then God's gonna leave as if he's like some kind of timid sparrow that if you say boo, that God will go from the room and oh, we've missed the opportunity to pray because someone sneezed and God went. So no, 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 don't be afraid of just explaining to someone, okay, if you're praying to someone, say, I'm just gonna put my hand on, that sh on your shoulder, is that okay? Because 
COVID and everything else, are we okay to be this distance or would, would you want me to sit down away? God's not bothered whether I touch you or whether we're farther away. And I'm just going to pray and invite God's presence. Is that okay for you? Talk through what you're doing. You're doing. Number three, we listen. Number four, we watch. Keep your eyes open when you're praying for someone. But suggest that the person you're praying for shuts their eyes purely because it helps them to concentrate and purely because it's really weird when you're praying for someone they're looking at you. I don't know if you've had that before. Anyway, that's not a rule. That's just a suggestion. That's just a helpful tip. Um, I've seen it happen when someone is blissfully praying, yeah, go, big God, and the person's actually on the floor. They've not got their eyes open and the person is out for the count in a good way, meeting with God, but they're not aware of what's happening. Keeping your eyes open allows you to see what God's doing. Sometimes I'll say during ministry time, I can really see the Holy Spirit moving in the room. And all that I'm doing is looking and watching for God's Spirit resting on someone, and that will have a physical, sometimes, response in a person. A, a, a sense of peace on someone, or a sense of um, their eyelids fluttering, or maybe tears, or maybe shaking. Or, and I could, you can just see sometimes around the room, God resting on people. And it's the same when you're praying for someone. You might pray something and it just hit the spot. And it's great just to, if you see them respond in a way, just to go deeper into that area. Pray with your eyes open. Not a rule, but definitely a strong suggestion. Um, watch for signs of the Holy Spirit. I've talked about a deep sense of peace, eyelids fluttering, shaking, experience of warmth and joy and of love. And talk, say, are you just feeling, I can... I think I can see the Holy Spirit on you. Can, can you feel God speak? Is he speaking to you? Could, would you want to share what he's saying? Don't be afraid to have a conversation in the prayer. And some, this, this takes practice, but it's something you can learn to see uh, on people and happen. And the more you do it, the more you'll, you'll see it happen. And I would suggest starting this in small group or in a safe place in church. Grab someone that you think looks like a prayer Jedi and say, would you come with me? Not... Jedi in a religious sense, but would you come with me and pray for this person? Because I'm not really too sure about it, and I'd love just for someone to watch and model what this looks like. So, safe place, safe places, small groups, safe places, church. Number five, if you take a notes, well done, is we speak. Now, sometimes Jesus commanded healing. Jesus rebuked Peter, Peter's mother-in-law's fever, and it went away in Luke 4. The man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5, he commanded to get up and walk and pick up your mat. Um, I, I hear, we have to be careful with the language we use in prayer. I, you hear it a lot of, God, if it's your will, would you possibly, awfully, wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, just, I know you've got a lot on and this person's just, would you, if you're not busy, heal this person? And it feels like, well, there's not a super amount of faith there. So just go in confident that God actually does want to heal and bless and move in the person you're praying for. God is not a reluctant healer. We don't need to persuade him to heal. It's in his character. Faith anticipates healing. It doesn't hedge its bets on disappointment. Pray confidently and boldly in the name of Jesus. Use normal language. You don't need to go crazy King James language on them. Okay, I don't want to hear things like, thus saith the Lord. It's not right. You just say, as you would speak normally, our oh Lord, would you heal them in the name of Jesus right now? Like, show and demonstrate your love and your mercy and your grace. Just break in. It doesn't have to be a 20-minute prayer. 
It can simply be four words. Use normal language, no need for special prayer voices or crazy religious language. I had a sense that God was saying, this is the person I'm demonstrating with this. You can imagine there's a person stood here. If I'm not just waving my hand wildly. Um, I had a sense that. So you might not hear, like we hear in part, Paul says, we, we prophesy in part. We don't always have the whole picture. So you might go, oh, do you know, I've just got a sense that God may be doing this. Or I've just got a feeling that God might be doing it. I might be completely wrong because I'm an imperfect, hungry human person. And it may just be and say, it may be me, it may be God, but I just think I'll just offer it to you. And you, as a receiver of this word, can say, do you know what, that doesn't hit the spot at all. That's not from you, and that's absolutely fine. Just move on. We are not special people. We serve a special God. We do it with our eyes open, and we test it, and we pray again. So if you're praying for healing, just say, okay, well, you've got a bad back. What can you do now? Oh, I can do this. Okay, well, that's pretty bad. Like, what would you say the pain is? Not to five. Oh, it's a four. I barely got out of the car to come in here this morning. Okay, well, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you move? Would you bless? Would you heal? In the name of Jesus. And you might think, oh, actually, I've got a word about forgiveness. I know, I've just got a word about forgiveness in your family. Like, I know this is weird and it's not related to the healing, but actually the body and the mind and the soul are linked. I'm just going to throw this out there. Do you, uh, is there anything in your life where... Um, you're, you're struggling to forgive someone at the moment. Oh, actually, yeah, actually, uh, this person's really hurt me. And actually, in praying for someone about healing, it unlocks other stuff that maybe be able to pray for as well. How's your back feeling now? Oh, yeah, we were praying for my back. Oh, it's gone down to a three. I can move it a bit more. Okay, well, let's pray again. God's like, we bless you. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. We bless your Holy Spirit that you would even consider. Like, isn't it incredible when God moves in the room? we would say more, more Holy Spirit, more would you heal. Oh, it's gone down to a two. I can do this. Oh, I couldn't do that before. Praise God. Isn't that incredible? This person, imaginary person, is now more healed. If someone is miraculously healed, when someone is miraculously healed, get them to be checked out by a doctor. Don't just assume that that is what's happened. Say, we, actually, we believe in the power of God and the power of paracetamol. Absolutely go to your doctor if you are not feeling well. Don't throw all your medication out if you think you're healed. Consult your doctor, okay? I don't want you to come back in and go, well, I thought I was healed last week, so I stopped taking everything. And then your doctor phones me up and goes, well, what did you say? And I said, I specifically told them, <laughs> go to the doctor, carry on. Healing sometimes doesn't happen in the room at the time when you're healing. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes two or three times. Sometimes it happens overnight. Sometimes it just happens in worship. Sometimes it just happens when you enter the presence of God. Sometimes it happens when you're going forward to take communion. But it's, a, it's an atmosphere where we expect God to break in, in this room, but where we go as well. Does that make sense? Theory over. Practical, starting. Got a bit of time. Is that clock right? Yeah. Oh. Speak, we speak. Gabby's taking notes, love that. I would have put it up on a fancy thing, but I didn't, I was on holidays. Um, eh, oh, I'm gonna be really bold, but I think we should go big. If you know that you've come in here this morning with something that is not right physically and you would be happy for someone to pray for you, would you mind standing up?